Well, welcome. Good morning. We're glad that you're here. If you were able to get a bulletin this morning, hopefully everyone got one of those. Uh, there's some great stuff inside that, uh, inside that bulletin to let you know what's coming up. Uh, if you are a family that is a blended family, and I know we have lots of those. Uh, I, we are a blended family in my house. We are a blended family. We're an adopted family. We're a dysfunctional family. We are a really awesome family, all the above, all right? So if you are a blended family and you think, you know, we just need some other resources, maybe some help to kind of work through some of the issues that come along with being a blended family, there are some, there's some information inside your bulletin about an event that's coming up, and we want to promote that. We want to encourage you to be a part of that if you can. It's not our event, but we're making sure that people know about it so that you can get some good resources there. Also, if you came prepared to give today, and we're so grateful that people are able to give and be generous and help us do the ministry at the Calling Community Church, we give you an envelope to do that. And you can put your gift in the envelope, and you'll drop it in a basket as you leave today along with that really important piece. Everybody take your bulletin right now and tear that piece off. There's a perforated edge. It's there for a reason. Take that off and fill that out. If you have never filled it out before, we encourage you to give us your information so I can send you a note and tell you thank you for being here today and, and get connected with you. So fill that out. If you have a prayer request, open up or flip it over, put it on the back of that piece of paper, and we promise we will pray for you. We send it out to 80 different people, and they pray this week. They'll be praying for you. And so please do so. And also, you'll just drop it in the basket as you leave along with the gift. So thank you for uh, participating. And we want everyone to do that. Even if you've been here 100 times, fill it out so that we know that you're here today. Do me a favor, if you can. We, I love that song, Seasons Change. Well, we were hoping that the seasons will change. I mean, right? I mean, eventually it'll be spring for good before it gets really hot and becomes summer. But we're just, I want you to think about the season of life that you're in right now. And just like even today, I got on Facebook and it gave me a, a memory from a year ago. And it was our youngest daughter, Eliza, in her prom dress. And she was kissing me on the cheek. It was such a sweet moment. But it's a different season now. It's a different season of life. But the season that you're in right now, I want you to look to the person close to you. And I just want you, if, you know, look around. You know, you got people close. Maybe if you're by yourself. We'll, I see you, Tabby. All right, I want you to treasure, just for a moment if you can, treasure this season of life. Even if it's a difficult season. Because it's going to change. Look, she's in her prom dress. She's so beautiful. She went to prom. Look at these ladies in their prom dresses. Everybody give it up for the ladies that came here after being at prom last night. I told them if they look like they're sleeping, I'll just pretend they're praying, okay? But I want you to treasure this time because this day, this is the only day like this that we're going to get. And so if you can, just be present with us today. Be present here. Listen to what it is that God is trying to say to you because he obviously got you here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. You're not here by accident. And I truly believe that's the case. And so we prepare for that and we pray for that. And so don't miss what it is that God is trying to say to you today. You're probably wondering why I have this baseball bat and this baseball. It is baseball season, right? That season is definitely different. Maybe more people are watching the NBA now because it's the, getting ready to be the playoffs. That's the only time it's exciting, really. But it's baseball season, so I'm going to use this as an analogy here in just a minute. So I'm going to put this down for just a second. Okay, 
So last week was Easter. It was a great day. Lots of people, lots of new faces. Uh, the quickest uh, Easter egg hunt I've ever seen in my life. It was so fast. <laughs> I mean, a thousand eggs gone just like that. You know, only one cracked egg left behind. Everybody else was just gone. This is obviously because of the weather. But it was a great day. But now we're, cl- we're going back into the series. We've got a few weeks left of the series we've been doing called Habits for Our Holiness. Practicing spiritual disciplines. How do we grow in our faith? How do we draw closer to one another? How do we get prepared to be sent out to share this message with other people? And so today's message is called Treaty or Surrender, the Practice of Submission. Now, my wife joked earlier that this is the bat that she uses to beat me into submission at my house. This is not, it's actually much bigger and has spikes on the end of it at my house. This is just a, <laughs> but no, that's not true. Treaty or surrender. I'm going to just read a little, a little an excerpt out of this book that we've been studying. And uh, just to help you understand the difference between a treaty and a surrender, okay? Some of you already know, but I'll just share with you. So it says, global politics sounds like an ominous phrase, but it is simply the way of the world. Empires rise and fall. Just ask the pharaohs, kings of Europe, and infamous dictators of the 20th century. However, a few institutions have outlasted all the empires of history. Two such institutions are a treaty and the act of surrender. When one country makes a treaty with another country, power does not shift. Each country keeps its borders in place. Each remains independent and sovereign. The ruler or ruling body of each country continues their work. But what they do differently is, essentially, is they trade favors. It could be lending money, open trade agreements, or even helping to defend against other aggressive nations. The act of surrender, though, is quite different. When a nation surrenders, its sovereign borders are taken down. Controlling power is given away to another's power structure. Instead of trading favors, every resource is now owned or a portion is controlled by the stronger party. God does not accept treaties. He does not accept treaties. And we're going to talk about what does it look like to be all in. To be all in. And I believe that to uh, totally to surrender or to submit, it requires you to walk by faith. And to, faith, to put faith in something is to put your total trust in that thing. You know, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, it says, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And so the illustration I want to use with this baseball bat is if you're familiar with baseball at all or softball, you know that before you get up the bat, there's a couple other positions that you take. The first one would be, is you're um, on, de- or, uh, on deck, right? You're on deck. Usually the person standing there, they got their helmet on, they got their bat in hand, but they're sitting there getting ready to go into the hole. They're getting ready to take the next step, but they're sitting here. Okay, they're, there's a chance, depending on the, how many outs there are, they might not get up the bat. They might have to wait till the next inning, but they're on deck. And then the next step is the person that's in the hole. Right? Usually there's a circle drawn out and you're in the hole. And what are you doing while you're in the hole? 
You're swinging, right? You're practicing. You're trying to get the timing down. You're, you're, you're just watching how things are going. You're paying attention. Like, all right, how many guys are on base? Uh, what's, the situa- what's the scenario when I get up? Like, what, how's this going to go? And you're in the hole. It's different, right, than being on deck. There's a real good chance that you're going to get up. And the anxiety level is raised just a little bit, right, from being on deck. You get, get what I'm saying here? See where I'm going with this? And then... Let's say the guy gets on base, he gets out or walks, whatever. Then it's your time to step in to the batter's box. Let's pretend this rug here is the batter's box. Okay? Once I'm in, game on. Now, if I'm standing like this, you know, I can still be, you know, doing whatever. You know, if I play baseball, do you have like a routine? You know, like Lorenzo Cain does his gloves and maybe spit five times or whatever it is. I don't know what it is, whatever routine you had. But you're still not ready to go. You're still not fully in. But once you step in and you start digging in, the umpire gives the signal to the pitcher and it's game on. You're all in. And uh, there's a risk involved at this particular point, right? No risk here. Full risk right here, especially if the dude throws 100 miles an hour or the girl throws 100 miles an hour. Like my daughter was a fast pitch pitcher in high school and college. It was scary to stand in there to try to hit because they were closer and the ball come from a different angle. It was just weird. But man, once you're here, you're in. All in. Completely different than the dude that's standing in the dugout waiting to stand in the circle waiting to go like this. You see what I'm saying? This is submission. This is surrender. I'm ready. Keep that in mind. If submitting and being all in requires faith, there's a great passage of scripture I want to share with you this morning. It's called in Hebrews chapter 11. If you get any kind of a signal at all in here, and if you have an app on your phone, you can go to it that way. Um, it's, it's not always easy in this particular environment. But if you have your own Bible, bring your own Bible with you. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles out on the, in the, um, the uh, welcome table outside right around the corner. You can feel free to grab one of those. And if you like those Bibles and you just want to take it with you, we, we actually encourage people to steal Bibles here at church. As long as it's those Bibles, not somebody else's, okay? Their name's in it, don't steal it. Hebrews chapter 11. Starting right at the very beginning of the chapter. We won't read the whole chapter, we'll just read 10 verses. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it our ancestors won God's approval. By faith they won God's approval. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. We have to have faith to believe there was nothing and then there was something. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. I believe that Abel 
was all in when it came to his sacrifice that he gave before the Lord. If you read the circumstances behind this story, Cain, on the other hand, held back. He wasn't fully in. By faith, Enoch was taken away, and so he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. Man, that would be the way to go, by the way. You know, like you were one minute and then you were gone. You were just with the Lord. No suffering, no, no doctor's appointments, no hospital stay. You just, you were, you were with the Lord. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. He was one who was all in. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists. Okay? Remember, last week I talked about blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. And when you believe that he exists and you draw near to him, it says he rewards those who seek him. There is a huge blessing in being all in. Matter of fact, there is no way when you're standing like this that you're ever going to get a hit. There is no way you're going to be able to win the game. Yeah, I understand you might strike out too, but there's no chance of you ever being completely and fully in to the game until you step in and dig in. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. Talk about being all in, right? There was only eight of them. Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives, and the animals, they were all in. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive it as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going, trusting in the Lord. God, you said, go, I will go. I'm all in. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And he was looking forward to something better, which is part of the process. It's part of the reward for being completely in. Is there is something better than what it is that I'm experiencing right here, right now. And I've got to choose. Is this something worth putting my hope and my trust in? Is this the best thing that there is that the world has to offer? Here's another example of being all in. There was a prophet named Elijah. And Elijah was an incredible prophet. Like he did some incredible, incredible things. He called fire down from heaven on a mountain and just, just displays God incredible glory. It was, an, it was an amazing story. But as Elijah got older, it was time for him to pass his mantle or his leadership onto another prophet. And he was told to choose a young man named Elisha. And so Elijah, this is what it says in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah left where he was at, found Elisha, son of Shaphat. And Elisha was working. He was plowing. He was going about his business. Twelve teams of oxen were in front of him, and he was with the twelfth team. So there he was, Elisha, with a team of oxen. He was plowing. He was just going about his business. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. It was like a cloak. It was like you're up. <laughs> it's time for you to get in the game. 
Elisha, it says, left the oxen. I don't know if he just ran, the oxen would just keep plowing. He's just like one huff and left. It's like jumping out of your car while it's still rolling. He ran to follow Elijah and he said, please let me kiss my father and mother, then I will follow you. It's interesting how he uses these, this, these details in the story. Elijah said, go on back, he replied, for what, what have I done to you? Like, if I chose the wrong person? So Elisha turned back from following him, took the team of oxen. Now listen to this. This is incredible. I like, I like this picture how Elisha was all in right here. He took his oxen, slaughtered them, and with the oxen's wood yoke and plow, he cooked the meat, had a big, huge steak dinner, prepared it for everyone, fed all of his people, and they all ate. And then he left, followed Elijah, and served them. Talk about being all in. No, there are no excuses. I'm leaving nothing behind. I'm leaving nothing for me to go back to. I am just, just I'm leaving, it's like leaving one career saying I'm done and I'm going on to what God has called me to do. I was a young, I was a young man. I was involved in church. I was working at American Airlines. I had a good career. I was making pretty decent money for a guy who had no education. I had a, per, a, a place of a authority there and people respected me and I, and I loved what I was doing. I loved, at least I loved the people that I was doing it with. And then I started just getting involved in church. I started, getting, I started hanging around teenagers. I started going to sporting events and being around young people that were excited about Jesus. And all of a sudden it started to change my heart, started to capture my heart. And then one night, like it was clear as, clear as you're hearing my voice today, I feel like the Lord said, Brady, I have something better for you to do. Something better than just a career. Something better than traveling privileges. Something better than a pretty decent salary. It's better than this. I want you to get from being in the circle. I want you to get in the batter's box. Because I'm about ready to throw you a pitch that I want you to hit. And I was all in. I mean, I had to leave. Literally, I remember taking off my dress shoes, throwing them in the trash can. They were worn out from just walking up and down the terminal. Threw them in the trash can. I put on a pair of tennis shoes because that's what youth pastors wear. I put on tennis shoes. And I left it all behind. And literally, people told me I was crazy. What are you doing? You were making, you were making some good money, man. If you stayed around, by the time you retire, you could have a lot of money and you could be set for life. And my pay was cut in half. And my wife picked up the bat to, to hit me with it. No, she didn't do that. She, she was like, it doesn't make sense on paper, but it makes sense. Let's do it. And God provided for us. He rewarded us. Because when you, when you choose him and you leave everything else behind, you'll never, ever look back and think, man, why did I do that? My God's better wasn't as good as I thought it was. You'll never, ever feel that way. Submission is hard. Submission is hard. It's harder being here than it is being here. It just is. Ask Jesus. Jesus knows all about being all in. <laughs> and Jesus knows all about the struggle that comes along with, with being in a place where he has to to choose. For one, he had to choose to leave heaven and come to earth. Jesus gave up his privileges. Listen to this quote that I found. 
Jesus gave up his privileges as God to live as a peasant carpenter and be lynched as a disgraced criminal. In the garden, Jesus prayed before he was crucified. He says, he said, God, is there any other way? Is there any other way? Is there any other way me getting on base than having to face a 100 mile an hour fastball? Is there just a better way? Yeah, there could be. You could get hit with the pitch and you could go to base. Wouldn't be as much glory in that. But Jesus like, is there any other way? But then he said this phrase that is a submission kind of phrase. He says, you know what? But not my will, God, but your will be done. Jesus was all in. And thank goodness for us that he was. How about the disciples after the resurrection? So these men who Jesus chose to follow him, who left their careers behind to follow this man. And before Jesus was crucified, he told them, hey, here's what's going to happen. They're going to come. They're going to arrest me. They're gonna, I'm going to go on trial. They're going to kill me. But I'm going to come back. And the rest of you are all going to flee. <laughs> You're going to run for your life. And they're like, Peter, of course, was like, no way, no way. I'll never deny you. And of course he did. And everybody else just ran for their lives. They were scared. They were not all in. <laughs> not even close. But after the resurrection, after Jesus came back and appeared to them, and after he, he, he prayed over them and empowered them and encouraged them to go out and share this message with the rest of the world, listen, there was a story where Peter and John got arrested because they healed some man, and they brought him before the, leaders of the, of the, the religious leaders of the day, and listen to what Peter and John said. Peter and John, when they were accused, they answered these, these accusers. They said, whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. Should we listen to man or should we listen to what God is asking us to do? You decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We are all in. We cannot stop. Matter of fact, they did not stop. And every single one of them, except for one, died because of their faith. They died because of this message. They were so all in, they were willing to, to be crucified upside down, Peter was, because they believed this message so strongly. They were all in. Listen to this story. This is a great story from the book of Mark, chapter 12. This is a story about a poor woman who did not have much. Jesus was there and sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, can you imagine Jesus like, dude, come here, come here, check this out. Let me just see what I, I just want to share with you what I just saw. I saw all these people come in and they were people who were able to give and they gave Lots of money. It was very impressive. But what was even more impressive is this poor widow. Because listen to what Jesus says. Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. For they all gave out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. Listen to this phrase. All she had to live on. She was all in. 
She trusted God so much to provide for her that she felt like whatever it is that she did have belonged to him and that she knows that he will take care of the rest. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had that moment where you had to decide, wow, man, it's either, it's either gas in the tank to get to work for the rest of the week or I got to put it in and give it to the Lord because it belongs to him and I'm just going to believe that he's going to take care of it. One day I went out to my mailbox. It was early on in ministry. And uh, there was an envelope in my mailbox with 66 $1 bills. I believe it's because there's 66 books in the Bible. Somebody decided that they were just going to bless me with some money. They did, I don't know how they knew we needed it other than God told them that we needed it. And that $66 put groceries on the table for that week for my family. And I really believe it's because my wife and I had decided that we're all in. We're, gonna, we're willing to make the sacrifice. We're willing to do whatever it is it's going to take to um, honor God with what it is that he's given us. How about the Apostle Paul? If you know anything about the story of the Apostle Paul, he was all in. Uh, to the point where he suffered in ways that we'll never, ever have to suffer Five times he, he got beat with 40 lashes minus one. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he received a stoning. Three times he was shipwrecked. He spent the night and day in open seas. On frequent journeys he faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers from the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing, not to mention other things, there is daily pressure on me, my concern for all of the churches. No doubt that Paul was all in. If you haven't seen the movie Apostle Paul, go watch it, and you'll get a, a visual example of some of the stuff that he suffered. In that movie, there was a scene where uh, this guy's questioning him about what is true, and you, you have doubts, he said, you have doubts about this Jesus, and Paul said this in the movie. Well, this is not scripture, but he said it in the movie. Men do not die for things they doubt. You don't go through these things for things that you don't believe are true. You're convinced in your heart that this is right, that following this Jesus is the only option. It is not a treaty with God. It is a surrender to God. And Paul said in the movie, <laughs> Men do not die, things for the, die for things that they doubt. So I was having lunch the other day with my friend Tony. And uh, Tony's our worship leader. Um, I love how Tony doesn't lead by the, in a front of a spotlight. Um, Tony leads from the back. That's what a, what a good leader does. I was asking him about, what about you? When is your all-in moment in your life? When was a time where you knew that you knew? that this was real and this was worth following. So he first qualified his statement saying that I'm a work in progress. Anybody else here, a work in progress? Amen. Amen. We're all on the same page, right? Here we are, a work in progress. Some need more work than others. And I'm just talking about me. When he was 18, he grew up in the church. When he was 18 years old, he started to question. He's questioning. What do I actually believe about this? 
Is this really worth? Is it really worth it? Is it really worth living for this? Maybe not even here. Maybe he's back over here. I mean, I know it. I've had the experience before. I mean, I've heard it. But is this something I really want to give my life to? Well, he eventually did. He went into ministry, started doing music and youth ministry. They got called to a church down in Lebanon, correct? And while they were there, uh, Casey became pregnant with their youngest son, who's three now. And uh, they had some complications that scared them. And they were like, what it, why, why now? Why is this going on? And they had to make a, a decision that within a few weeks, about three weeks, they ended up having to leave this ministry position, come to Kansas City to get closer to their doctors. And when they got here, it turned out that God took care of the issue. He, he, it wasn't an issue at all. Their son was born healthy. It was just kind of an incredible scenario. And it was like, for him, he feels like at that particular moment, I think there was a moment earlier on in his life too, he's talking about he was at a symphony and God just spoke to him through the music. But it was that particular moment, he, uh, he was like, this, this is it. This is, we're all in because he ended up here. He ended up here, serving here. Last thing he probably thought about doing when he came here. He was too concerned about his family. And God brought him here. And he says there's benefits for being all in. Did you know that? There are benefits from being all in. Hey, by the way, if you're here this morning and you've had some, some of those moments of doubt and questioning your faith, you're not alone. Welcome to the family. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Do you know the disciples, after they saw Jesus resurrected and Jesus prayed over them and, and commissioned them to go out, it says when Jesus got ready to leave and go into heaven, that it says some of the disciples worshipped and some doubted and some held back, not willing to risk themselves. Some of the disciples were still here. How, how is that even possible? They saw Jesus. They walked with him. They talked with him. He prayed over them. And they were still here. So you're in good company this morning, if that's you. And then he brought up the story about Jonah. You guys familiar with the story of Jonah? And Jonah got... Jonah was called to be all in, and Jonah ran the other way. <laughs> and he didn't go where he was supposed to go. He got on a ship going the opposite direction. And then it says that he was, they threw him, uh, threw him into the sea because he was the one causing all the issues. And it says that a fish swallowed Jonah up. Was Jonah all in? <laughs> but on bump. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was all in. <laughs> says he was in the belly of a fish, a very large fish, obviously. And some people are like, oh, man, there's no way that this happened. Excuse me, God can create all of this out of nothing. It can happen. All right, just have some faith and believe that that's possible. You know why I know it's possible? Because it seems like to me, at that particular moment, God knew exactly where Jonah was. He knew his, his um, what is his uh, latitude and longitude? <laughs> Is that how it goes? Latitude, longitude? He knew his latitude and longitude at that particular moment, and he sent a fish to swallow him up. Do you believe that God knows your latitude and longitude today? Do you know that he knows exactly where you are today? I know that he knows. And I've had conversations and encounters with people who felt like God had left them and forsaken them, and then just at the right moment, he shows up. 
Maybe he doesn't swallow them with a fish. Maybe he swallows them with a car. Maybe he swallows them with a hug. Maybe he swallows them with some other people to come around them and love them. And that's you and me. You know, he doesn't need fish anymore. He needs you and me. He needs us to be all in so we can help other people get there too. Do you see what I'm saying? Jonah's prayer in chapter 2 was amazing. And I, Jonah chapter 2, I don't have time to read it. But I, but I love the fact that he, he's crying out to God. And by the time the end of the prayer, he's like, okay, God, you win. I'm in. That's basically how it goes. <laughs> you win. I'm in. And then he goes. He preaches the gospel and people come to faith. And he, and he gets frustrated by that too because he doesn't think that they deserve it. Don't be that way. Because <laughs> none of us deserve it. None of us deserve it. Let me finish up with a few quotes. Submission is done either because you are forced to do so or because you desire to do so. There is no middle ground. Can't stay here. Either you get in the box or you go back to the dugout. Get in. There's no middle ground. The game is, is at a standstill. It's paused. It's on hold. We submit because we love him. We love God. He accepts our surrender because he loves us. Submission is not being subhuman or loathing ourselves. Submission is not Eeyore. To submit doesn't mean you're Eeyore. It doesn't mean you have to be Tigger either, by the way. You know anybody, you know any Tigger Christians? They're obnoxious. I'm probably one of them. <laughs> I just don't have a tail to bounce on. You see what I'm saying? If you watch videos of Eeyore, oh, you know, I'm not worth it, you know, whatever it is. And if that's you, get over yourself. Because God loves you so much more than that. He is all in for you. Submission is about finding our true worth in the relationship forged by the cross and the empty tomb. In your daily discipline of relinquishing power to Jesus, because that's what it comes down to, I'm not making a treaty with God. God, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, and we'll get together every once in a while. I'm saying it's all yours. I'm going to relinquish it all to you. And living with accountability of friends in the faith, that's us, you will find love. And it is the love that dies for you and gives all for you that makes you want to be holy. It makes you want to follow him. It's that love. For me, my all-in moment was when my ex-wife took my daughter when she was two and a half years old and left me in the middle of the night because I walked out of a bar with a woman that wasn't my wife. That was my all-in moment because I had nowhere else to go but up. Now, did I figure it out immediately? Heck no. I struggled and wandered and stumbled. 
But God, at that particular moment, I think that was really when he said, Brady, I have something better for you to do. Better than what it is that you're doing with your life right now. This is better. And ladies and gentlemen, I wouldn't be standing in front of you today if it wasn't for that moment. What about you? What's your all-in moment? Maybe you haven't had it yet. Maybe you need to have it this morning. I don't know. God knows your latitude and your longitude. He knows where you are. And I'm not talking about sitting in this auditorium. He knows where your heart is. He knows what position you're in when it comes to being up to bat. And in our culture, in this church, we started using this phrase not too long ago, and I'm going to continue to use it. We talk about being curious, convinced, or committed. And if you're on deck, you might just be curious. I'm kind of interested in what's going on in the game, thinking maybe it's something I need to invest myself into, but I'm not really willing to step out of the dugout yet. If you're convinced, you're saying, no, I'm in. I'm in the game. I'm up next. I'm not here, but I'm not there. But if you're committed, you've dug in. And you're saying, bring it. (laughs) There's no chance that I'm going to be able to experience all that God has for me if I don't take a swing. If I don't give it all to him. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I can't prescribe that for you. Listen, as pastors, I wish I could. I wish I could just go around and say, well, this is for you and this is for you. You've got to figure it out on your own. If it takes you being swallowed by a fish for God to get your attention, then you better get a snorkeling mask now, all right? Just saying. Wetsuit, whatever it is. If there's other things that he's trying to do to get your attention. So... um, It's 11.32. I want to honor the, the ladies that are taking care of the kids. And one of them is my wife. <laughs> hey, listen. If you're all in when it comes to children's ministry, let me know. Because it's an important thing that we do. And my wife's all in just because that's what she knows she needs to do right now. But she's got other things she'd rather do. <laughs> as a side note. So we don't have a ton of time, but let me ask, let me ask you this. Who, um, we don't have the cordless mic up, or do we? Where's it at? Oh, okay, there it is right there. Okay, listen, I, here's what I want to do. This is kind of our invitation time this morning. I want to, what about you? If you would give, if you'd give a short testimony about your all-in moment in your life that could encourage and inspire Someone else is sitting here today that could, you could speak into their life better than I can. Come up here right now. I'm serious. Now, you don't have to preach a sermon, all right? But I want you to just shortly give an all-in moment in your life. Okay, all right. Hi, guys, I'm Dave. Um, <clears throat> this is Elijah. The first three years of my marriage to my wife... Um, I was, I was pretty much a bane on her existence. I mean, she put up with me, she tolerated me, but um, I had this very entitled attitude that uh, 
I had been through a rough childhood, divorced parents, mom on drugs, other things like that, that I somehow was entitled to sit on my duff and not provide for my family, not take any responsibilities, not do anything. And I, and I tell you what, I watched her go to work and work hard every single day to provide for me while I sat at home, played video games, depressed, blew our rent on whatever I wanted, didn't put it to the responsibilities we had and watched us get kicked out of two different homes that we lived in because of my irresponsibility. And this is at a time where I was serving as a youth worship leader and it took this man calling me out on my crap and telling me, you know what? I know you love to sing. I know you love to praise. I know you want to do that, but you know what? You're called as a man of God to provide for your family first and foremost. And I'm not going to let you stand up here as a leader and do any of these things until you're a leader in your home. And it took me some time. And in fact, it took me looking at his big brother for the first time that scared that crap out of me. I looked at him and I said, you know what, here's a, here's a human being that did nothing to deserve a deadbeat father, and I'll be darned if I'm going to be one. And I'm not saying that I haven't struggled, that I haven't gone job to job, and, and then before I finally found my career, I mean, that's, that's the truth. I worked hard. It took me a while to figure out where I am. But I was able to do that, and she believed in me because she knew in her heart what God had for me. Now, she could see the big picture. I couldn't. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but she had faith in that. But my all-in moment was holding my son in my arms and then looking at her and, like I said, realizing that I was being a bum and I had a responsibility. And so that was my all-in. Amen. Anyone else? No, there's a lot of us here. We don't have time to hear all the stories. I would encourage you to share that with somebody. Share your all-in moment with someone. Share it with, with me. Get a hold of me. Share, uh, me. Email me or message me or whatever it is. Say, Brady, this was my all-in moment. I want to hear what it is God's doing in you. Okay, You hear what God's doing in me, but I want to hear from you. Okay, I know getting up in front of talking and people and talking in front of people is scary, but what's your all-in moment? Maybe today, maybe today, right now, you say, you know what? I need to get in the game. I need to give my heart, I'm gonna give life to Jesus. I need to I need to pray. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to repent, meaning I'm gonna turn away from my sin. I'm gonna walk in a different direction. I'm gonna get in the game. What is, what is that for you today? Keep it short like you're here, Joe. question this morning about what my all-in moment was. And I've had many of them, but I think the one that really hit me the hardest was a few years ago, I had a uh, aortic, I mean, an aneurysm in my stomach. And it had to be removed before I could have a kidney replacement before I could have kidney replacement. It had to be removed. So I went into surgery, and I came out of surgery, and for some odd reason, I ended up at ICU. And I was in there, and I remember looking up, 
and seeing my family, everybody standing there, and my wife with tears in her eyes, and my two boys and a daughter with tears in their eyes, and I looked up and I said, this is it. I'm done. I'm going. And I could see a bright light, and I looked up and it was my wife, the angel that I have adored for 47 years, and I will continue to praise her. But I thought at that moment, I better turn my life around, and I did. Amen. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship, and we'll be done. God, thank you for sending Jesus to be all in for us. Jesus took the pitch for all of us so that we wouldn't have to. Encourage us this morning, Lord, to be all in. As a dad, to be all in, to raise our kids. As a husband, to be all in, to love our wives. As an employee, to be all in, to be everything that we're supposed to be for the people that are paying our wage. As a boss, to be all in, to take care of those that, that work for us. As a student, to be all in, to finish strong. If they're a senior in high school, or if they're 10 years old, to be all in. As a friend, to be all in. We thank you, we love you, and pray you have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen.